welcome to Buddha Vista, episode 204. I'm Ben, and I'm here experiencing all of the beautiful sights and sounds of Bourbon Street, 9.30pm on a Tuesday night, drinking something that meets the technical definition of cocktail, but is spiritually more of a chemical weapon, served in a volume that is coincidentally how much water you're recommended to keep handy in case there's an emergency. With me, alternately vomiting into the gutter and cheering, it's Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hey. <laughs> you having a great time, buddy? Spring break! Woo! <laughs> Woo! I don't understand the significance of the beads, but I'm loving it. <laughs> I think beads are just fun, uh, is the consensus as far as I understand it. <laughs> simple, simple I'm fun. Sh- Everybody I'm loves sure shiny that's things. The <laughs> They're captivating. We love a bauble. Uh, also with us, playing the most beautiful jazz you've ever heard in your entire life, uh, to a room full of hammered people whose favourite genre of music is upmarket automobile ad, it's writer Brandy Jensen. Hello, Brandy. How you doing? Hi. Uh, thrilled to be here. Mm-hmm. Was, not, in- was not read in on any part of this introductory bit, so I'm, lo- I'm loving every moment of it. We have literally no idea why we do this, but we've been doing it for hundreds of episodes now, so why stop? Uh, it's tradition here to begin every episode with a complete non-sequitur introduction that will not be returned to uh, at any point, unless it is, in which case, you know, you just got to be on your toes. Yeah. Fantastic. I do like I'm... it. You make the occasional half-hearted attempt to sort of, at the end of the episode, remind us of where we started, <laughs> yes. but it's really not mandatory or even appreciated, I would say. My goodness. Mm. So, Brandy... Uh, this week, you will be playing the role of Dr. Lucy that is normally played by Lucy. Uh, she is not here, as she has once again found herself on a plane, which is pretty much the most typical thing that Lucy could be doing, really. Uh, part of the reason that we thought that we would draft you in for this is because uh, you may have read Brandy's writing in Gorka, Jezebel, Defector, Broadly, The Cut, The Outline... Lots of places, but um, I have recently been reading your columns in Jezebel that um, ask a fuck up. Are they mainly in Jezebel? That's me. Uh, They were mainly in Jezebel. They're going to be hosted at New Gawker once that site is up and running, because I am working there now. And uh, how how did you wind up kind of getting drafted into the advice columnist game? Was it your suggestion or somebody else's? Um, it started as, as like a truly embarrassing number of, uh, important things in my life have as a joke on Twitter. I, <laughs> I, I tweeted, I literally tweeted that I thought it would be funny if somebody gave me a, an advice column sort of based on the premise that I like constantly fuck up my own life and make ter- terrible decisions and maybe somebody else can learn from my mistakes. Mm-hmm. And my boss at the time was like, that's great. We're going to do that. <laughs> so... Like, that's ah, that's how it happened. Yeah. Um, they got me again. Been... <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, everybody does that thing where something starts as a bit and then you just, <laughs> it becomes a very meaningful part of your life. This is, this is a, a common occurrence, I think. Um, and so that's, <laughs> yep. that's where the column started and yeah, been doing it for a couple of years now. And turns out I really like it. I like I, I, I like advice giving. I think it's a, it's a very nice uh, thing that we sort of do for each other. I think it's a nice way that we can um, treat each other's problems as important and, uh, you know, sort of uh, pay attention to 
other people. And so, yeah, there's a lot about it that I like. And then I also occasionally get some uh, really funny letters where people don't realize that they're actually the enormous asshole. And that's always fun to point out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We do sometimes uh, in this segment, we take, uh, we take like posts from uh, Reddit relationships the Reddit relationship subreddit, although with the enormous grain of salt that we all approach those with, which is this is probably not real. They're all fake. Every they're, single one of them is fake. They're all fake, yep. and, and yet they still do something important <laughs> for us. I think something, <laughs> like something captivating. You know, they allowed you to explore your own personality, even if it's not real. Precisely. Yep. Like uh, wrestling. <laughs> And we we also look at the uh, am I the asshole posts sometimes, and I I think um, the thing that we always sort of say is the commonality between those is that um, uh, women write posts where they say, oh this uh this man with a bloodstained apartment has <laughs> like it's a whole whole lot of lists about how like they're concerned that they they may have done the wrong thing and offended somebody, and all of the posts are. Uh, by men are uh, just like a list of 40 red flags followed by the question, tell me tell me why I am correct. Mm, yeah, that, uh, that, sounds, that sounds about right. Seem to frequently fall into those camps. Uh, so, since we're going to do uh, the Dr. Lucy advice segment with special letters for Brandy, we might as well play the Dr. Lucy theme. If you find that you are having a little relationship trouble Just to pick up your telephone and dial it on the double You call 1-800-317-5155 Now you're paging Dr. Lucy That's fantastic! I'm so jealous! I want a theme song now. My column deserves a fun, peppy theme song. Well, look, if you come back often enough, uh, <laughs> a theme will be produced. We tried to we tried to count recently how many, so many stingers we have for small, insignificant segments. I keep forgetting they exist. Yeah, every now and then I'll be like, ah, oh, that's right. Six months ago, we were doing it completely, <laughs> and there's a theme for it. It's fine. Yep. Just keep adding them. We can talk about more stuff that way. It's great. So we asked our beautiful listeners. You can release a compilation album at some point. Uh, That's honestly not a terrible idea. Imagine someone uploaded a one-hour version of, I believe, that theme song (laughs) to YouTube the other day. (laughs) Oh no, that was the uh, that was the the hotline theme that they just looped for an hour. So um, since we are getting listener questions, that mean we also have to play the mailbag (laughs) theme. No, Uh, as much as people as much as people enjoy it. It's great. It's really good. You really fucking outdid yourself. So, now, speaking of themes and people writing in, uh, we have discovered recently an issue that we did not know we had, which is that uh, Gmail had been aggressively spam filtering most of the letters from our listeners uh, into a hole and then burning them after 30 days. Mm. So... Uh, that that included me finding recently that somebody had actually sent in a theme that they had made for a segment that I never saw because it went straight into the spam and then eventually got deleted. Uh, but we found them all in in a webmail archive somewhere. Somebody sent in a theme that they had made for uh, the shipping report, 
which is a segment in which we read uh, <laughs> shipping news and don't make any jokes. No jokes. That is a completely joke-free segment. Well, this, <laughs> is, this, sometimes... is, this is serious business. I mean, you got to... Mm, yes. I'm, I'm here for shipping news and shipping news only. Uh, so I never heard that theme and then went on to make one. Which uh, now thinking about it would would have just made that person feel like I heard their thing and then went no good and made a different one. So to that person, I would like to say sorry. I heard it many months later. I, I thought this was going to be the start of a plagiarism defense of you being like, and I never heard it. But then when I listened to it, coincidentally, we'd written the same song. It was identical. Uh, but I did also ask several weeks ago for people to write in with their questions for advice from Brandy. And after a week, I was like, man, nobody wants advice. <laughs> it's like two letters. <laughs> um, but then we found out about the about the issue. We found a hidden trove of stuff. And I went, oh, people do want advice from Brandy. What? How, how was your spam filter so thorough or were people writing in like advice about my about enlarging my penis please yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of that <laughs> which type of penis pills should i take and then yes. they just list them all off uh no i don't know it just seemed like basically at some point gmail just decided anything that someone was like coming to us from someone for the first time it was like no that's probably spam you don't need that you know uh, but by digging around, we did, in fact, find the many letters that people wrote in asking for your advice. So, here's the first one. Uh, Dear Dr. Brandy, how can I be happy for others without judging myself? As a man in his early 30s, I feel like I have a pretty good life. I'm married, I don't have any debt, I work a good union job for the Postal Service, and I'm lucky enough to own a home in the more affordable part of town. The problem is that I feel stagnant and unambitious, which causes feelings of jealousy towards my peers. I dropped out of college years ago, and ever since then I've seen many friends and people online graduate and start their own projects. I know I should be happy for them. I know they are going off to make the world a better place. The trouble is, I can't help but see their ambition and success as anything but an indictment of my tedious job and comfortable home life. I realize this is massive uh, first world problem areas, but I can't get out of my own head about this. How can I be more grateful for what I have and not feel like a waste of potential? How can I achieve more in my own life without feeling like I need to compete with others? Thanks in advance for reading. Sincerely, Pouting Postman. Beautiful. <laughs> um, okay, I mean, so I feel like part of this, or most of this question really has like nothing to do with other people and what they're doing in their lives. It has everything to do with sort of the lie that this person clearly believes about uh, what it means to have a successful life. And, mm. you know, they, they very obviously have um, what used to be all of the, all of the markers of doing quite well in life. You, you know, you own a home, you have a stable job, you're in a good relationship, like that kind of used to be enough. Um, and somewhere along the way, we sort of um, switch that focus to, you know, if you, if you're comfortable, if you're content, you're, you've somehow like given up, you need to always be striving for something more than what you have. Um, and I think that that is really just like, has contributed uh, to vast amounts of human misery. <laughs> the idea that, um, you know, you are only ever, um, that, that we're sort of like sharks, and we have to like be constantly moving in life. Otherwise, we're somehow stagnant, or we've 
um, capitulated. And I, I would suggest to this person that their friends who now have probably massive amounts of student loan debt and are, you know, can't decide what city they can live in because they can only go to, you know, ones where maybe there are potentially, you know, not very well paying and, and very precarious jobs in their industry, um, that I think a lot of those people would, would look at this guy's life and think like, fuck, that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, a, a, a lot of, a lot of advice column letters tend to, tend to be something along the lines of like, how do I not feel the way I feel? And I'm not sure that there's really like one weird trick to just like no longer feeling the way that you feel. I can't, you know, I can't really say like, just, just do this and you'll start to be more grateful. Um, but I think I would, I would encourage this person to interrogate why it is they think that um, all of all of these things that they you know clearly understand are like contributing to their sort of safety in the world. Their like ease um, is not you know that they're not sort of racked with with financial anxiety about to maybe interrogate like why that why that doesn't feel like enough. Who's who's telling mm. you that that is like not enough <laughs> yeah i i feel like i kind of have a uh like my own situation in life is a sort of inversion of this in that um i'm in my late 30s um i'm married got a couple of kids stable job own home all, all these sort of similar things and the thing that i've kind of felt myself going through over the last i don't know five years is it's kind of the opposite of this in the sense that like I am just happy in my life. I'm happy and I'm comfortable and, and all that kind of thing. But I, I tend to feel this sort of occasional mental pressure of like, should I feel bad for not wanting to to do more or push myself in some way or yeah, be be stretching to do other things, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so I guess I, I sort of I don't I don't find myself looking at other people and going ah oh, I'm I'm jealous of what you have or I I wish I had that or whatever I think um I think yeah just for maybe maybe the person that I was twenty years ago I would have thought oh I wanna I wanna you know move around the world and live in different places and do this and do that and like you know I wanna I wanna you know, be a, be a name in my industry and that sort of stuff. And now I don't care about any of that stuff at all. And yeah, that, that part of my life has sort of gone by and I'm just fine and happy where I am. And there is that occasional part of my mind that goes like, oh, are you supposed to, are you supposed to do that? Or are you meant to be doing the, oh, I'm like a shark and I've got to keep swimming. And I wonder if for this person, maybe what they're feeling in terms of feeling stagnant and unambitious is um, similar Similar to myself. I think one of the things that I sort of struggle with is when you are very comfortable and and happy and safe in your own life, it's easy to feel like you're kind of not developing or you're not learning anything new. So I wonder if maybe one of the things to look at is just, is there anything that you could get into in terms of like, you know, hobbies or learning about anything in particular that you feel would be giving you some sort of 
personal growth, but in a way that you don't feel like you have to measure it against other people. Yeah, I mean, I think there's also, I, <laughs> I think it's also pretty natural to hit like, you know, your mid 30s and start to think like, what if I had done things very differently? You know, what hmm. might my life look like now? You kind of like get through the, you know, the the tumult of your 20s, or at least for me, it was a very tumultuous time. And you start to get like a little bit more settled into like who you are as a person. And it's starting to get like a little late to make any real deep down changes about who you are. Like by the time you're in your mid 30s, yep. you're kind of locked into that. You know, you can, there's some, the there's some, there's some yeah. tweaks you can make, but like, it kind of feels like, you know, you're, you're pretty, you're pretty well set in terms of like who you are. And that's, that's both like a, a gift and can, I think, um, provoke a lot of anxieties about like, well, if this is who I am, what if I don't like how I got here? What if I like wish that I had done different things and been somebody different? And so I think it's like, it's a pretty common reaction to get to a certain, to, to a point of comfort in your life where you're not, you know, you're not constantly sort of battered about by all of these um, financial vagaries and, and career changes. And you've like, you've actually got a little bit of space to look around and say like, is this really everything I wanted in life? And I don't know that too many people look around and think like, yes, this is exactly what I expected and exactly what yeah. I wanted, you know? So I think it's pretty natural. I would, you know, I would be a little bit, the, the reaction of, you know, of begrudging others, their, their um, lives. I think that's, that's something that you would want to try to keep in check as much as possible. Cause that ends up being a kind of corrosive um, force on people. If you, if you lose the capacity to like feel genuine um, joy for others, when good things happen to them, I think that that's like something that you, that raises some alarm bells and you want to try to get, get a hold on that as much as possible. Cause I don't think that yeah. like, you know, giving into those sorts of feelings like only makes people miserable. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. And and I suppose as well, if you are talking about like getting into your 30s and being in an existence where you are, I guess, relatively locked in to what you're doing, you know, if you're, if you're married and you own a home and that sort of stuff, like, yeah, technically you could say, you know what, I want to be single and go to Ibiza. Uh, you could do that, but boy, are you like pulling the plug on your life as you know it, you know? Yeah. You... Uh, it, would, it would have to be a very, very, very large and very, very dramatic change. But you, um... can, you can do that. And, you know, I think that there's, there's a reason why um, the, the, that particular figure, like the man who like abandons his family to go be a DJ somewhere or something is like sort of seen as a bit of a, a, clown right like yeah yeah like okay you could sure you could do that like <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know how many people there are out there who have done that and been like best decision i ever made <laughs> and i've never been happier and more yeah. fulfilled um all that kind of stuff but like yeah i just i i've really found over the years that the things that i value and care about have have changed so much especially to the extent that they aren't all about me. Um, you know, I think it's very, obviously it's very natural when you're in your early twenties or whatever for your entire focus to be on yourself and your future and who you want to be and everything. But, um, 
now I find myself almost thinking about like uh, a person's impact on the world as as being positive, almost like the 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 absence of a negative impact on other people around you is a positive <laughs> thing. Like not not just in in that way of like, oh, I want to be fucking Elon Musk. I want to be changing the world and taking everyone to Mars and all that kind of thing. I just kind of look at my own life now and think, you know, I well, like we're raising two kids who are really nice and you know, empathetic little people who care about other people's feelings. And I think they're going to be nice members of society. Uh, and generally speaking, you know, we, we get along well with our like neighbors and colleagues and all that sort of stuff. My, my wife started doing a, a job recently. That's like a very sort of making a positive impact in the community kind of thing. And yeah, I think you don't, you don't have to be doing earth shaking stuff to just be making a positive impact in the world that you live in. Well, listen, people need their mail. <laughs> this this man is very this true. Man is, this man is bringing people uh, wedding invitations and birth announcements and birthday cards from you know faraway uh, loved ones, and that's you know that's not nothing. There are far worse jobs out there. <laughs> Keeping society running, greasing those wheels. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of people who sort of set out to to change the world in their 20s just end up working for, like, you know, big law firms or <laughs> hedge funds. Like, they, they're, there's, there are a lot uh, worse things you could be doing than, you know, making sure that people get their mail on time. Very true. All right. Changing gears slightly. Uh, howdy. I am a soon-to-be father. And I'm a big fan of psilocybin mushrooms. Can... <laughs> Great. Love this story. Let's see where this is going. Uh, how can I responsibly share the joy of psychedelics with my offspring? With love from a Texan mushroom fairy. P.S. No, I'm not going to make the baby trip, you perverts. This is... It's an odd question. Yep. And you it's can, a... You can wait 15 years and be like, I, Yeah, hey, I feel dude. like... Wait, <laughs> wait a while. Sick. But then also, I kind of feel like I don't know if my dad was really into mushrooms. I'd be like, "Ugh, no, I'm not doing mushrooms." Like that's you know <laughs> shit that my lame ass dad is into. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know that parents can like necessarily make their kids think that um, what they're into is cool. I think that's always you going can't to make be. It kids like black sabbath on purpose they're gonna have yeah. to find that for themselves like you could you could end up having you know a, a college republican kid if you push too hard on the like do mushrooms son you know That's you can true. have them rebel in a really bad way so i feel like you really you gotta play it cool with this sort of stuff and and just you know see see what kind of person you end up having as a child maybe they might be somebody who would be into mushrooms maybe not but you gotta you gotta let them like i think be their own person <laughs> unless of course the question is also how do i go about doing psychedelics with my kids in which case my answer to that is don't do that no <laughs> like you don't I... want to be like the third historical uh baby in a microwave you know uh... <laughs> <laughs> Because you're just adding, you know, you're giving the Republicans arguments then. Don't do it. Do not. Go out of town. Rent a hotel room somewhere. See, this, my my issue with this is it gives me the vibes of, right, um, 
I, I, in my relationship with my parents, I was never like drunk in the same place at the same time as my parents until I was like an adult, you know, other, other than say being picked up from a party or something as a teen and being drunk or something like that. I, I know other people whose families are very kind of like, you know, every Christmas we're all just drinking all day together kind of thing. And that's a very foreign experience to me. Sharing a like carton of Coopers with your 13 year old son because yeah. it's, it's Christmas, baby. Like, and, and obviously in a lot of cases that would not be reflective of the healthiest family dynamics and all that mm. kind of thing. But, um, but for me, that was, that was never like a normal thing. Right. And everybody that I ever knew whose parents either supplied them with weed or said, Hey, it's fine for you to smoke weed here at our house, 14 year olds or whatever it might be. They generally did not have what I would describe as a positive home life situation going on. And I, I don't say that to be judgmental. I mean, Just... yeah, when I was when I was a teenager, there was always like, you know, that one kid who had like the cool parents. And at the time you were mm -hmm. incredibly jealous. And then you sort of grow up and think back and think yeah. like, ooh, no, you should have had some rules. Like that was not that was not a good dynamic. Um, but I think yeah. I think probably what's sort of embedded in this question is a fear that becoming a parent is going to fundamentally change you, that you're not going to be able to be like the fun guy who loves mushrooms anymore. And I think like that might be true for a while. You might have to really abandon your, um, you know, very loving, nurturing relationship with psilocybin. I can't even say it with mushrooms um, for a while because you have a kid now. And that's just, you know, I'm not I'm not a parent, but I think uh, the idea that uh, having a child is not going to uh, influence, you know, pretty much every area of your life is kind of like it, it it's going to and it's going to be fine. That's OK. <laughs> and everyone I've ever known who had a baby and then uh confidently announced and it's not gonna change how we live <laughs> our lives uh you know that like the people we knew who would always like bring the little babies to the pub and to gigs and to every other place and like yeah having having had uh two babies in my experience it was like yes you can do that and it just seems like swimming upstream. It's you really are just making things harder for yourself than they need to be. And like, uh, you know, it's not the same as mushrooms, but I you know, like all through my 20s, I would smoke an unbearable amount of weed. And when we were going to have a baby, I went, all right, I got to knock that shit off for a while. Uh, because I probably need to have my wits about me occasionally if we're going to have a newborn in the house. Mm. And and I just, I like stopped cold, you know, like six months before we had a baby or whatever and, and went, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna put that to the side or at least right into the background of my life, even though it's something that I've always enjoyed and has been quite a, you know, prominent part of my, my life all through my 20s and everything. Because yeah, your 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 priorities change. I 
I don't you don't know. want to be the guy talking to paramedics who's forgetting how many children you have. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, there's three, two, no, fuck. Uh, yeah, you don't want to be like, I can't, I can't drive to the hospital right now. Asking your six-year-old <laughs> if they reckon they can handle it. Here are the keys. It's pretty easy. Two pedals. <laughs> I do, I do think though that like, and this is, I don't know if this is more of an Australian thing. Like I was, I was saying before about families drinking together and stuff like that. It's very um, European to be like giving an eleven-year-old a glass of Chardonnay, a glass of wine. <laughs> they love this. They don't. Yeah, well, look and look how they turn out. I mean, <laughs> yeah, European. <laughs> Tragic. Um, but but I yeah I don't I don't know how much of the question is also around like how do I normalize an acceptance of of psychedelics and uh you know things like mushrooms and acid and stuff like that with my kids because if you just never have any of those conversations with them and leave it to say I don't know school to talk to them about it then they'll they'll if you're in Australia, you'll get told uh, beer is fine and everything else is is the devil's business. But uh, yeah, like like you were saying, Brandy, I don't know. I, think I don't the, know yeah, how this... far one can go with normalizing or trying to build acceptance of a thing without also seeing like you're kind of very actively promoting it. Yeah, this yeah, this feels like a a, a bridge to be crossed, like. 15 years from now and really like who yeah. knows what the world is going to look like at that point what your you know what your kid thinks about mushrooms or whether he can do them with you as you're you know trying to uh make your way into like a climate refugee camp i think it may not be the most <laughs> pressing concern like yeah. this just seems like not a thing that you have to worry about for a while you're like offering <laughs> to trip sit you for your son while you're in the atoll from Waterworld. <laughs> but you know congratulations on the baby that's wonderful news i'm sure you know (laughs) i'm sure parenthood parenthood will be its own kind of trip (laughs) yeah Uh, before we move on from this one i just want to point out just to uh head off any emails we get about this i realized that the sentence a fun guy who likes mushrooms was said aloud and that that's a a pun don't point it out to us i don't want to hear about it do not write into the show thank you or I'm turning the spam filter back on. <laughs> yeah. uh, here's a distressing letter. Hello from dreary Britain. Oh, no. no. How could it get worse? Um, <laughs> things have begun to reopen in the past few months, and it's almost time for us to be able to go on dates again. Ooga. So here's my problem. I've been talking to a guy via popular internet dating site, and he's kind, attractive, and loves horror movies just like me. But he's also apparently a vampire, at least according to himself. Well, that's bad news. They crave that's... mortal blood. No, no. That's what true. Are you... <laughs> At first, it was just a vague love for the subgenre. Then around month two of our lockdown chatting, he would send me pictures in which he had false specialist made vampire teeth and dressed like a goth mobster with his red hair spiked as if he were a Kingdom Hearts character. Hot. He's a ginger vampire. Those, they really can't be out in the sun. <laughs> That's <laughs> like they can't be out during a full moon just getting that reflected UV. We've had a few flirty conversations. It was a long lockdown, and during one rather racy chat, he kept trying to call me his thrall. <laughs> Awesome. And, and brought up my throat a bunch, and he's also repeatedly asked me to quote look into corsets. 
I like the phrasing of that as in like the way someone would tell you to like look into 9-11. Like there's yeah. more to be found there. My friend telling me to look into cryptocurrency. Yeah. You know? Just decide for yourself what you think. Yeah. Yeah. It's look, it is an investment and a lifestyle choice, but I think you should look into corsets. Other than his vampiric tendencies, he is lovely and really caring. It's just as much as I love bloodsuckers, I don't really know if I should date one. So I was wondering, should I just stick in the plastic fangs and throw myself upon my ghoulish lover, or should I look for someone who doesn't dress like the Merovingian? Thanks, the Baroness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. this is I love this letter. This is delightful. Um... God, I don't know. I I don't know. It's weird. It's a weird thing. But a lot of people have weird things. I would want to know how how seriously he takes this. Is this like any time that a potential new partner reveals some sort of like, let's go with personality quirk. Let's I think this (laughs) this could be covered under personality quirk. Um, You know, is this is this something that is going to um, affect your day-to-day life are you gonna have to you know um invest in very expensive uh orthodontic work are you is is he going to want to like really bite you at some point or is this just like you know sort of a a role play thing that he likes on the side and yeah oh i don't know i mean i don't i i think um vampire would probably be uh, a, a bridge too far for me but you know i've had lovely relationships with guys who are really into feet and you know various other <laughs> fetishes and i think everybody sort of decides for themselves like if somebody's interesting enough to, for you to kind of uh go along with the thing that they're into yeah it's, like it's the sorry, question man. is is he a vampire at like the bank you know yeah. like when is he's it... going about his day-to-day life is he a vampire yes. then do his parents that... know that he's a vampire? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Does he have like a special coffin in his childhood bedroom? Does he? Yeah. Like... <laughs> is he is he out of the coffin to his parents? Yeah. <laughs> and also, oh. I guess his expectations matter as well. Like, if you're getting like a moderately pl- priced off the rack corset, will that be enough? Or is he expecting mm. you to get crazy tailor made, weird Custom. Victorian shit that like? You know, that's a big investment in the lifestyle for you. He'd have to be very, very nice. There are a lot of nice people out there. Well, so I, guess... I, yeah, I, I do have, uh, I think that one of the most um, helpful ways of of uh, sort of measuring how attracted you are to a person is figuring out what is the craziest conspiracy theory they would believe and you would just ha- kind of be okay with it because they're that mm. hot. Like I have, you know, I've met people where I'm like, you, you know, you could be a 9-11 truther and that's fine with me. I would still date you like that's, <laughs> you know, cause you're that attractive. Yeah. And yeah. Are you could like, is, is he, is he, has, has he, has he sufficiently glamored you such that he could be yeah. a vampire <laughs> all the time? I guess an element of like, what if he fucks good enough to make the vampire thing work? Listen, that this man is be, so sexually skilled that it's hot now. You're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. You could think, be really um, into it. I say, yeah. I say give him a shot. <laughs> I, for, for me, the deal breaker, and I, I will say, it kind of feels like we're all 
the the thing that this is hinging on is is this like a hobby or an interest or is this a fetish is this a because for me that's that's kind of the the crossing the line part of if this is just a thing he's really into and he likes to do it sometimes like he's a civil war reenactment guy that's one thing if the only way that this dude can get off is to have his specialist made fangs in and be like biting at you and saying blur while uh <laughs> while you're you're getting it is on he, is he count chocula what is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny if he was like a really like a like a kid friendly cartoon vampire not the not the sexy kind <laughs> not yeah. the sexy kind at all like not the Anne rice vampire <laughs> yeah he's uh, a ha- style <laughs> yes <laughs> having sex with you very slowly by going one stroke ah, 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 ah. <laughs> like he's specifically the fucking leslie nielsen dracula where he's like tripping down the stairs <laughs> oh um so yeah my my question is is this is this like a fetish type this is the only way that i can fuck thing because that to me is like a you got to be pretty invested in that Mm. Uh, if if somebody has the type of fetish where they're like hey it would be cool if every now and then you would indulge me in this thing you know uh every now and then you let me rub your feet it's like cool but if it's like that every time we have sex i'm getting you into the the 2000 uh euro corset i am putting in my specialist fangs i think there's a difference in terms of like okay is is my thing does my thing now have to be your thing as well like do you do you mm. have any option but to you know fully immerse yourself in this thing that i'm into if there's enough space in this you know budding relationship that she's like hey i'm really into reptiles let's like go to a terrain like you know if 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 there's like some negotiation of both of their interests, I don't mean in a sex way. I just meant like as a hobby. Um, I did want that to be expanded upon, but yes. yeah, thank you. For... <laughs> I don't know. I need I to fuck to... next to a terrarium. <laughs> That's what I need. But you know, if there's if this is like one, yeah, if this is like a hobby thing, then that's that's a different matter than like this is my lifestyle, and if you're gonna date me, this is now your lifestyle too. That's I yeah. think a much a much bigger ask um and one that you would have to like i I think you kind of have to be a little bit into it yourself to fully embrace (laughs) i feel like part of the problem here is maybe an asymmetry of respect before the relationship has even started because you (laughs) found the thing that he's into laughably ridiculous which already means he's sort of diminished in your eyes so what i'm suggesting is a sort of solution where you bring in a humiliating kink of your own that he (laughs) finds laughably ridiculous now you're he's, like, a, he's I, a baby vampire wearing a diaper. Yeah, if you meet in the middle where you're like, okay, well, neither of us respect each other and we're both barely horny. The relationship works. Beautiful. That sounds the, like the, a perfect British love story. <laughs> <laughs> the the question I think that the, the Baroness needs to ask herself is... You you can you can ask yourself questions about you know what it's going to be like in the bedroom and everything, but I think like Ben said, is this guy a vampire at the bank? And are you will you be cripplingly embarrassed if you take this guy to the pub and he starts talking about his vampire deal to your friends, um, or if he insists on doing his whole deal when you're just out and about? 
if you if you can't if he wants to do those things and you can't deal with them, then that's that's the deal breaker to me. Yeah, I think that's that's quite sensible. <laughs> Hi everybody, it's me. It's Theo. Now I guarantee you I'm more afraid of recording this promo than you are of listening to it, so hear me out. If you haven't already, maybe check out our Patreon. It's a great way to support the show, and it gives us the ability to actually dedicate time to this thing. You'll get all of our bonus episodes, that's over 300 extra episodes in total, and we'll set up a feed over there with none of these promos, so you won't have to hear this ever again. You'll also get access to our Discord, uh, which honestly has turned into a, a nice and funny place full of mostly normal people to hang out with. So that's patreon.com slash buntavista. Check it out. All right, here's another substances-related question. Uh, I'm 34 years old. I'm very lucky to have a career and my own home, but I live for the weekend and the sesh. Uh, When there are parties, I'll do it at parties. Where there are raves, I'll go and dance. And when nothing is happening, I will just do a bender on my own. Mm. Some people worry about me, but I'm able to sustain happy relationships and my job, and I just see it as a coping mechanism for many difficult aspects of my life. I'm onto my fourth friendship group in 10 years because people keep growing out of it and I just don't. Am I right to keep chasing my hedonistic pleasures or do I need to confront my arrested development? Yours, reading between the lines. See, yeah, I would push back on the idea that he's able to maintain uh, healthy relationships if he's on his fourth friend group in 10 years because everybody mm. like wants to bail on him because he's still trying to you know, drink like he's in college. Um, I mean, you know, it's, there. it's, it's, you can be a very high functioning alcoholic and you can keep your job and, you know, mm-hmm. um, I don't, I don't know that I'm, uh, in a, I'm not in a particularly good position to judge other people's coping mechanisms because mine aren't very healthy either. <laughs> um, but, uh, what, what would concern me is the fact that he, uh, is not able to maintain long-term relationships with other people. That seems like a bit of a, bit of a red flag right there and a sign that perhaps you're lying about like how exactly how well you're doing. Isn't, um, isn't that supposed to be one of the, I don't know if this is like an AA thing, but isn't that supposed to be one of the, the metrics for judging if you're, uh, I guess if you're habits are destructive as if they are causing you to have have problems maintaining relationships well i mean i think that that's got to be one of the one of the big questions you ask yourself as to whether something has tipped into destructive destructive is is it um impeding my ability to have healthy you know nurturing long-term relationships and this clearly is and so i think based on that alone it's like i would be a little bit worried about you know saying that that, you know, your life is actually fine <laughs> outside of your going on benders by yourself on the weekend. You know, that's maybe not the, the benders not the benders by yourself thing. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> benders by yourself thing sort of says to me that that as just a little window into something kind of suggests uh, a compulsion to do it or an inability to not do it. Uh, which I think is generally not a not a great sign. I mean, hey, it's it's very possible that uh, this person just in, enjoys it so much that they're totally happy to do that. Um, I mean, what what I sort of found during like you know my late twenties, early thirties of of being being like 
in that kind of window of I'm kind of getting to the age where I want my life to just be a bit more routine and normal. Because you also have the factor of like your body stops responding to these things the way that it did when you were like 23 uh, and you could go and drink uh, some disgusting amount and get up first thing in the morning and stuff like that. I don't, I don't, you know, drink like that uh, at all anymore. But even things like just, you know, smoking weed constantly every night would have this effect on me where I would uh, get very high just like on a weeknight and then stay up too late playing a video game or watching a movie or whatever. And then you get up in the morning to go to your office job and you're like, oh, I'm very tired and foggy and all that sort of thing. And by the time you get to the end of the day, you're like, that day was really hard. And I feel a bit sorry for myself. And don't I deserve to be high to make me feel better? <laughs> and it just it just rolls on as this kind of endless thing of, of telling yourself that you are self-medicating as you know as a coping mechanism for a difficult aspect of your life or as a as a way of dealing with something or of making yourself feel better but uh you do occasionally i think need to step back and try and really assess how many of the difficult aspects of my life are in some way uh, being influenced by or directly caused by the fact that i really love going on benders yeah. I mean, I have certainly, I I would not say that I've always had a healthy relationship with alcohol or drugs. There have been uh, points in my life when, you know, uh, things probably tipped over into something that, um, you know, we could call like a problem. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, whenever I would start to get like, sort of concerned about uh, my relationship with alcohol, that's when I would just like stop just to make sure that I could. And I would stop for mm. like a while. Um, and so I would suggest like, you know, I'm not saying that this person needs to like, you know, check themselves into an inpatient treatment program, but like maybe just stop for a bit and see how you feel. Do you, you know, is it like, is it nice to wake up on a Saturday morning and not have a, a crutching hangover? Is that like a feeling that maybe you could come to appreciate? Um, just like a little, a little check in every once in a while of like, okay, do I, you know, am I doing this because um, it's like fun and social and uh, you know, it's just one of the joys of being an adult or am I doing this because I like can't do otherwise? I mean, it could just be that this person loves going to rave so much because they have terrible taste in music. That might also hmm. be the case. It could it could be. Yeah, maybe they're just really into trance. And in that case, mm. there's no treatment program in the world that can help you, my friend. <laughs> you, we cannot you cure are, you of liking the band saving. <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, I think trying to have a break is very good advice, not, not just from the perspective of like you know whether it's good for you or whatever like you were saying just having a break and seeing can i actually do that because i think try like you can be in those patterns of doing something over and over again and telling yourself this is or is not affecting me and my relationships and my job and all that sort of thing in different ways but it's very hard to do that uh without actually taking a step back and then trying to look at it and it's very hard to look at it with any sort of objectivity while you're kind of in the middle of it 
and I I think the the big one for me would be can you say I'm gonna I'm gonna take a month off yeah you know, I'm gonna take a month off of having any weekend benders or going any raves or parties or whatever and if it's like the only thing that you can think about all the time and it's upsetting to you that you're not doing it uh, all that kind of thing that that I tend to take as a sign that maybe your relationship with those things is not currently in a great place because it's um you know I'm I'm personally I am no uh particular advocate for like clean and sober living I know that uh I I I think that people should do the things that work for them and um I totally understand a lot of people get to a point where they say I just don't think drinking agrees with me anymore and they stop doing it and that's absolutely reasonable um but yeah i think i think any times that i've like stopped uh whatever i was doing for a bit and just been like mm, this is just popping into my head constantly uh i'm just thinking about what an injustice to me that i'm <laughs> that i'm not currently doing these things uh that's the stuff that's really made me kind of step back and go oh i don't i don't actually feel very good about that right now and i think that it's um it's nice on just a fundamental human level to feel like you can just go through your life um, without needing things like that as a bit of a, a bit of a I mean, Yeah, there are, there are so many things that we don't have any control over. And so it can be um, kind of nice to every once in a while check in and say like, yes, I am. I am making these decisions. This is not like a compulsion. If I decide I want to go out to drink, it's because I have like control over that decision. And I could, I could not do it or I could do it, but I'm not being driven to it by, you know, some sort of, um, external factor. And so, yeah, I think just, just take, take a, take a wee break and see if you can and see how that feels and, uh, and just know if you can, that's, that would be a good place to start. <laughs> what do you think, Ben? Um, I wouldn't know. You know, I don't, I don't spend my life in a haze of weed smoke, so I don't have to confront any of my problems ever. Uh, hmm. I just do it because it makes YouTube videos fun. <laughs> I actually uh, just talked about what you were saying before about waking up and being very foggy. I uh, had, a, had a night last night where I had a bunch of brownies from a batch I made with some people. I had quite a lot of beers and I woke up this morning just being like, oh no, I'm stupid today. Oh, fuck. <laughs> See, but that now happens. That happens to me if I like am complete. I go to bed completely sober, but I only get like six hours of sleep. That mm. is like functionally <laughs> a hangover to me now. And so yeah. sometimes I'm like, I might as well have had five beers last night. I feel just a shit regardless. So uh, that that can happen. You wind up like resetting all of your calibration for <laughs> for what constitutes like having it together. Yeah, I've I think. Only very recently, uh, something has finally changed uh, inside my body. And now, if I drink a coffee at like 10.30 p.m., uh, I will be sitting around at 1.30 a.m. and going, probably shouldn't have had that coffee. <laughs> that was the thing that like for, for years I could just drink like six coffees in a day and be drinking coffees at nighttime and still just go to bed and have it be fine. But finally, finally, I've I've... I think I have to stop the evening coffees. It's happened. Rips. Rips to the big one. Oh. That's right. The evening coffee. The evening coffee. That 
that wild and crazy nighttime coffee. <laughs> That's right. Uh, to the Honorable Brandy, I'm in a pickle. First time caller, long time fan. I've fallen into a tricky situation with someone, a 33 year old male. Uh, we met on Tinder about six months ago and have been essentially inseparable ever since. I'm really into him and the relationship is very sexually charged, yet nothing has happened between us. He pines over me in front of our friends, being very touchy, but in private, it's crickets. I'm significantly younger and don't have a whole bunch of friends in the city slash country that I live in, currently living abroad, so my fear of rejection is strong. I guess this is all pretty classic. My question is, any tips for making feelings clear for friends, or alternatively, getting over a crush while you're still involved with them? Love the show. Can't get enough. Cheers, Anon. Winky, winky punctuation. I'm, Thank you I'm, for winking for the camera. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that this is like a classic dilemma of you meet a guy on Tinder and he acts like he wants to fuck you in public and then doesn't for six months. I'm not sure that that is like, oh, that old chestnut. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm of... assuming this person, they, they come home from a night out and he just immediately walks into the bedroom, sits on the edge of the bed, staring at a wall until 7am <laughs> and then he gets up and goes to work. <laughs> because he had like gone to war or something. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, the, the time for like hinting is past. You got to ask this guy what's going on. I think... What's six up? months six months in you're you know he's met all your friends you are around each other constantly um he's 33 years old he's a he's an adult i think it's time to sit down and say what what is this what are we <laughs> will we be having sex will we be yeah soon? well do you want do you <laughs> so want me to one be a quick question do you want me to are be a vampire <laughs> what do you what do you need here <laughs> what do you need <laughs> uh it's a it is a weird vibe. I mean, I'm given to understanding that a lot of guys are very bad at, like, I don't know, making the first move or... It's terrifying. Or... I fucking hate that shit. It's, uh, it's awful. It's a nerve-wracking experience being, like, wanting to have that absolute confidence that this is an advance that is, like, wanted and also that it's, like, the right time and everything. But, like, it's weird. Sounds, yeah, it sounds yeah, like it's real. been it's been the right time for a while now. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, there you know, it is it is terrifying. There are no guarantees, and uh, being rejected is um, awful and humiliating, and it stings, and it never gets any better. No matter how many times it happens, it doesn't get mm. easier. It sucks just as much every time. Um, but yeah, I think you know, it's not like this is a friend where you're like a you know a school classmate where you're not sure what the vibe is you met on tinder you know this is like mm -hmm. you presumably went on a first date of some sort and you've now been on your you know 57th date i think it's time to just uh you got to have a conversation it's you know it's going to feel awkward and excruciating but uh that's also part of being a grown-up and if you want to be able to have sex with a person, then you'd need to be able to talk about having sex, <laughs> I think. That's true. And, like, the the thing that I'm not 100% clear on uh, from this letter is... I know, well, it does say the relationship is very sexually charged. So uh, what, what I was trying to take away from it was... It, 
I, I, do you consider yourselves in a relationship or is this a thing where you've been hanging out with a guy heaps and flirting heaps and he has been making out like he is very interested in you in front of people but then when you hang out privately you're just like friends hanging out but you're referring to it as as a relationship and being essentially inseparable so it it sounds like at the very least one of the parties is considering it a relationship well and it um, would it it would be my assumption that again if you you know met on tinder that if he you know at some point realized that he was only interested in this being a platonic relationship that that might have come up that he might have said like hey i think you're great and i would love to be friends you know but that hasn't been a conversation either this just feels weird um mm. and i and i think uh yeah the only the only way to uh kind of puncture that weirdness is to just face it head on you just got to ask him what's going on yeah, well, I mean, he may he may have some kind of uh, penis issue. He may have some sort of anxiety about sex. He might be an adult virgin. You just never know with the things. Like, I guess, I guess my point is that there are there are different things that would potentially cause somebody to start off in a relationship being nervous about initiating or or having sex for the first time and if the other person also doesn't initiate anything then that just kind of rolls along mm. you know and like i i knew a guy um years and years ago who was well into like i want to say is is mid to mid to late 20s and was a virgin and i remember him describing it as just like you know it was a thing where when I was a teenager, it was like, ah, oh, yes, I want this to happen. And then when I was in my early 20s, it was like, okay, it's getting kind of weird that this isn't happening. And then it was like, as I got older, it was just like, I just I just don't want to talk about it. And I also and, assume that it's not going to happen. Well, and then, so, and then it becomes the thing that is the reason why it's not happening. And it takes on this kind of self-fulfilling yes. prophecy. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I, I mean, also that that kind of... Um, thing can happen between two people where the more you don't talk about it, the less able you are to talk about it. Um, yeah, the bigger and, an issue it becomes. You know, and so I think it's, you know, six months, you're, you're clearly close with this person, you have feelings for them. I think it's, you know, bef before this becomes a thing that, you know, five years on, you just have lost any ability to broach the topic at all. Just, you know. Bring it up. Say, it you know, hey, I have feelings for you. I really like you. I would like for this to be a romantic relationship. Is that something you're interested in? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it they, feels very scary, but it's also like, it, you know, people do it all the time. You just gotta, you just gotta dive in. <laughs> and yeah, I guess, uh, I guess the only addition to that that I would have is, is like you were saying, kind of, I, I would frame it as, here is what I am interested in happening yeah. instead of it being an interrogation about what's yeah. what's your deal happening? and why yeah. aren't you doing this? Why am I not being dicked down currently? Yes. <laughs> you have 10 seconds to comply. <laughs> when will the dicking be taking place? <laughs> just bring out one of those like giant flip calendars and just be like, and here's a permanent marker. I just want you to go over there and just circle the date you reckon, maybe pencil in a time for when we'll start. <laughs> And right, I think we've got time for one more question here. 
from my experience, the stereotype that the quote cool art or music girls are crazy, but quote normal girls are boring is often true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. How do I keep myself from falling head over heels with a girl who looks like a wounded alley cat with BPD bangs and a noise band and find <laughs> happiness among the normal people of the world? Because um... I just can't seem to do it or recover from the intensity of dating cool crazy girls who ruin my life. How do I find a happy medium? From Bruce. Well, I don't know that... Uh you should necessarily like inflict yourself on these so-called normal girls that you obviously have a certain amount of contempt for. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I don't, I don't know that the best way to go about this is to, you know, look for somebody who uh, you're going to find boring and who you think, uh, you know, will, will leave you content in some way. That seems unfair to the, to the normal girls who are just out there living their lives too. (laughs) Um, I kind of, yeah. I kind of wonder with this one, like, because uh, like there are plenty of of people out there who would have a noise band or be a visual artist or something and are perfectly capable of conducting like a respectful adult relationship. Well, and at a certain point, if you just have like, if all your exes are crazy, it might not be the exes. <laughs> like, mm. You, you might, you might be doing something there to provoke a certain reaction in women that you have relationships with. Um, yeah, like they, where do we plot plot this person on the spectrum of normal to crazy as well? Yeah. You know, there's two people in every relationship. It's not like <laughs> there's crazy women, normal women, and then men, which are one category. <laughs> yeah. Are you also is... ruining people's lives? Are you also are you the flip side of this? The fun, spontaneous uh, man with a noise band who is also just weird and emotionally <laughs> abusive? It's hard to say. Yeah, this is it's very difficult um, as an advice column when people write in about, you know, sort of like all their exes generally or like this sort of woman or this type of person. And I'm like, I don't I don't know what you mean by crazy here. I don't know. You know, mm. are they? Are they texting you wanting an explanation for why you cheated on them? Does that, is that, does that make them crazy? Do you, you know, are they, <laughs> are they expecting you to like show up on time or to pay back money that you borrowed? Like, I don't, it's, it's very difficult for me to adjudicate a question like this when I, I would, you know, I would love to, to hear from one of his noise band ex-girlfriends and get their, mm. get their side of the story. Um, but outside of that, I mean... Yeah, I don't. I don't think that you should. Like I said, he. This guy does seem to have a little bit of contempt for women that he deems boring and normal. And I don't know that I would uh, try to throw yourself into finding one of them because I don't think that you will. Either of you will end up happy in that situation. I think also maybe part of this is let's assuming that uh, he's absolutely right here, and they have all been crazy. Right? He is perfectly normal. They're the mm-hmm. crazy ones. You need to get to a certain point in your life where you can do the maths on a relationship. You know, you can look at the things about this woman that you find fun and interesting and spontaneous, but also see things that you recognize as red flags that have ruined the last couple of relationships you have and go, okay, well, maybe I just don't need this relationship if I already know it's going to be bad. Like, don't think that you have to ruin your own life every time because she has brightly colored hair and a side cut. (laughs) And uh, can, she collects synthesizers. 
You can hit the eject button a lot earlier. You can start to recognize patterns in your relationships that happen over and over. Um, but, you, you know, you're not going to force yourself to suddenly be attracted to a fundamentally different type of person just because you think you should be. Like, that's not really how desire works. And um, I think I certainly have, have um, seen a lot of kind of miserable couples who end up together because they think that after you know, a long period of, of bad, disastrous relationships that they should be with somebody like this sort of person. And so they intend, they, they go out looking for them and try to like force themselves into it. And that doesn't really work either. So I think, you know, there's, the world is not divided into crazy and normal women. You know, there's like a vast array of women out there Somebody who you might find interesting and desirable who also, you know, pays their bills on time and doesn't <laughs> like sleep outside too often or whatever. Like you've, you know, there's, there's not just these two types of women. There's, there's, a, there are a lot of them out there. <laughs> I have definitely found myself kind of observing in the past people who get into relationships uh, with, with a particular type of person and in this case what like obviously we can only extrapolate from the information we've been given here but sometimes you know if we're talking about like a girl who looks like a wounded alley cat with a noise band um like so sometimes to me that might be like someone who like lives in a share house and someone who that's walton yeah it's walton um <laughs> You know, someone who somebody who lives in a share house and has a band and all these like, you know, all like that whole lifestyle, I think, can often be a bit reflective of like someone whose life isn't running in like a well oiled machine, someone whose uh, shit is maybe not particularly together. And I do think that sometimes there are people who are attracted to people uh, who don't have their shit together. Because it is a way of making yourself feel a bit more, a bit more competent and in control of the things that are happening in your life and in the world. Whereas yeah. if you were to date someone who is normal, someone who like has a nine to five and goes to work and pays their bills on time and all those sorts of things, has a car made they, after they might have the year certain <laughs> they might have certain expectations of you though. A person like that might mm. expect things from you. That the crazy girl who, you know, you are uh, always able to sort of either get caught up in her whirlwind or try to rescue her, you know, you, yeah, I think a lot of people get a sense of satisfaction out of um, being with somebody who's in a, in a far worse place than they are. And, uh, and, yeah, and it means you're never really forced to look at yourself. Yeah. You're never really forced to look at yourself and, and how you're living your own life and how you conduct yourself in relationships because if you're only ever with people who are kind of, again, living like a, I don't know, like a, what I read from that sort of stuff is like university student lifestyle. Uh, if, if yeah, that I, is, would also, <laughs> I, I would also wonder how old this guy is and how old, what's the average age of his girlfriend? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. Maybe uh, if, you know, if you're getting older and you're still dating the same sort of version of a 22-year-old, that's also not a great... You know, I really, I I think we've got a little bit too far in terms of, like, how age gap relationships... I, I What I would like to do is return to just 
like seeing these men is kind of ridiculous. Like it's just kind of sad when you're a 40 year old who's constantly dating women in their 20s. You're not a predator, but you're just like a fucking goofball. Like it's just sad mm. and weird and and <laughs> you're ridiculous. It, you know, I, I would like to sort of point and laugh at those guys rather than, you know, try to throw them in like super prison. <laughs> well, uh, and uh, I think it's also a thing where like, where yes, you can look at it objectively while it's happening as like not a good thing. But I I always think of a, a guy that I worked with years ago who I was I was like friends with just by virtue of the fact that he was the only person within like five years of my age at this entire place that we worked with. Uh and we and we spent like eight hours a day together, you know. So we'd wind up hanging up out a lot and there but there was a lot of things that I didn't think were great about this guy. But he was sort of segregated from the rest of my social circles, you know. It was just kind of my one scumbag friend I would go and hang out with and do scumbag stuff, and then I'd feel good about myself. <laughs> uh by comparison. But this guy definitely had the, like, oh, I only want to date really young girls, you know? And, uh, and like, he would kind of swing it to the extent that he would either take girls home from clubs or gigs or whatever and sleep with them, or he would date a girl for, like, one or two weeks, and then she'd be like, mm, this, is all, <laughs> this is all very undignified. But... Across the time that I knew him, there was this very, very clear, like, decline in his ability to do that. As he kept getting older yeah. and expecting the girls to stay the same age. All right, all right, all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like, like his own physical appearance and, and like, declined and just suddenly started looking a lot older and it, like... It starts to get sadder at this exponential rate, like it really speeds up and the the extent to which you can get a younger woman to take you seriously just falls off a cliff. Um, so I think I think like to a certain extent, unless you are, say, obscenely wealthy, which is its own other factor in relationships yeah. like that, unless you are obscenely wealthy, it's kind of a self-correcting thing to a certain extent. The guy will just become exponentially more clownish. Well, there's there's an expiration date on that sort of guy, yeah. After which you kind of like you go off. You get a little like you actually get a little putrid. (laughs) There's no there's no forty four year old guys at the nightclub being taken seriously by anybody, (laughs) you know? Unless they are obscenely wealthy. Yes. And then yeah. Once again, different. It's a it's a different factor, but this guy was not. Okay, so that's that so that's that's our advice to this guy: is if you want to keep dating crazy girls, you need to get obscenely wealthy, and then yeah, you can do paper. it. Then you can do it forever. <laughs> start buying crypto. Start buying <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> Buy as many NFTs as you can. That is the official advice of this show. <laughs> And it may well be time for this show to come to an end. Uh, Brandy, thank you so much for your time and for your advice. Uh, Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Where can people read your writings and see more of you if they would like to? Um, Well, I am going to be doing the column at Gawker, which will be relaunching 
shortly. Don't have an exact date, but that'll be, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, coming out soon. So you can find me there or you can find me uh, on Twitter at Brandy L. Jensen. Uh, yeah, that's, that's about it. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you again for being our substitute Dr. Lucy for this episode. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.